Hello, it's us, and welcome to the Museums and That podcast, where each episode we have a chinwag and serve you the steaming hot tea on things museum people love the most. We're your hosts, Meg and Sarah from Leeds Museums and Galleries, and we get to know the people behind the objects by asking them the questions you really want to know. You've been practising that, haven't you? Yes, she has. Hello, this Mez. Hi, Meggles. Look at what you've done with your thing there. I know, it's exciting, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's like a book. Me and Smez have show notes and we printed them off today and they've printed on some really insanely expensive looking paper. Yeah. And then Smez has just folded hers up like a little stand. Well, I figured I might make best use of it. It's great paper. It is good paper. I'm going to keep this. What's the Dunder Mifflin thing? People, pe- people, people. Oh, yeah. Um... People's paper, paper people. <laughs> Anyway, museums. Museums, um, yeah. So what's your best thing from your week? Um, well, it's just been the weekend. I had a nice weekend. Weather was atrocious, but I went to... Cold, wasn't uh, it? Oh, and windy and gross, and when you have to walk a dog, bleh, bad. Yeah, but at least you got a dog. Uh, that's true, yeah. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Trying to get the violins out. <laughs> yeah. At least you've got a dog. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, you did get a new sofa, though. Sorry, oh, I might have just stolen your week That was thing. my best thing. Damn. I got a sofa, yeah. Right, okay. They've been on order for like eight weeks, so I've not, not had a sofa, and then they came, and then I got trapped in my hallway with a man <laughs> because you knew it wouldn't fit I knew it wouldn't fit and then he was like it has it will fit won't it it will fit you've measured this love and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've measured it and I know I it won't it. fit yeah, no it won't fit and I just kept quiet and hoped that it would go away and then uh-huh. it, I got trapped naturally in my hallway with a man who was very of course you did weird about it um, yeah. and then we booted it in and it was fine and, um, now, and then I had a nice nap on it yesterday and it was lovely how wonderful that sounds like a very wonderful weekend mine was not dissimilar in that it was quite homely we went to a christmas fair at our local pub and i bought things and uh drank mulled wine and did you have rum in it no but i did have four mulled wines amazing at lee's market you can have rum in your mulled wine yes you have to ask it's called hot love yeah, you have to ask for hot love. You can't ask for mulled wine it's with so rum. bad. You have to be like, hello, can I have one hot love? <laughs> yes. It is makes Ugh, my skin crawl God. thinking about I saying it. I hate myself when I do it, but you know I do. Yeah. Um, who have we got on today? Oh, it's exciting. Um, today... I thinking about how good it is. I keep banging the table. Uh, today we have Dr. Rebecca Wade. Have you planned your outfit? Yes. I think it's in line with yours. By the way, me and Smez are wearing the same outfit today. It's insane. All black. All black. I'm dressed like the Groke. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I'm dressed like. Just all black. Yeah, all blacks. Off of, off of New Zealand. Do you like New Zealand? I do. I do like New Zealand. Do you not like New Zealand? No, I've got best. My best friends are in New Zealand. Yeah, just had a baby. Just had a baby. Shout out Matilda Jane Schumacher. Well done on having the best name. Great. Anyway, enough about a baby that none of you know. Yeah. Um, what are we um, talking about? Sculpture. Um, that's her her thing. That's what she does. She's very very good at it. I sometimes listen to her talk and think all of the stuff that comes out of my mouth Hang is on, nonsense. I've got an itchy ear, mate. Oh. You know when you've just got an itchy ear and you're just like, what do I do? You know how you like videos of pop, pops being spotted? Spots pop. being popped. I watched a video about people taking earwax out of ears. Oh, I've done that too, yeah. It's so good. Like, really compacted earwax. Yeah. If anyone's got any links that they want to send me, <laughs> please do. It's like ASMR though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like my ASMR yeah. thing. It's pretty oh, grim. God. Uh, anyway, sculpture. Let's uh, let's get cracking then. Here's Rebecca Wade's Museums and that episode on sculpture. How far away do you want me from? 
You'll you find right there, actually, yeah. yeah. Oh, go straight in with what's your best one. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, you know. No, it's a sec... Well, no, these are just structure... These are just... It's just a structure. Yeah, no, 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 no. Can you not show me up in front of Rebecca Wade? Do you think she's not known how we operate for <laughs> yeah. the past two years? Brilliant. Um, Rebecca Wade, you're here. Hello. Hello. It's me. It's exciting. I'm, I'm actually sweating. I actually am sweating. It's because you ate that gluten-free bloody mince pie. Yeah, I know. Bad breakfast choice. Why would you do that to what yourself? What did you have for breakfast? Oh, wait, is, was it like, was it like blended linseeds with nuts and berries and like the tears of an angel? Do you actually want to know? Yeah, I do. Of course I want to know. It was overnight oats. Got it. With chia seeds blended with frozen forest fruits, sesame <laughs> seeds and sunflower seeds and a little bit of turmeric. You're going to start sprouting any minute now you're going to start sprouting. Oh my God, I just did it. A forest. Did you hear that then? Yeah. Right. Um, also, I've actually got a thing to show you both. I'm wearing, Dan bought me this t-shirt for my birthday back in October and it literally arrived this weekend. Oh my God, is you wearing it? Dirty <laughs> Oh. Dirty Leeds. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. What's the peacock? Dirty Leeds. Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Anyway, I'm going to put this back on. Why did it take it's so not long? not that type of podcast, is it? <laughs> so long to arrive. Brilliant. Anyway, glad to have got that right. off my chest. Yeah. And on my chest. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, so, you're feeling good after your breakfast? I am really hydrated. Yeah. All my essential vitamins and minerals. Yeah. I wonder what that's Powering like. through. I, don't know. <laughs> I literally <laughs> ate pastry and chocolate for God. breakfast. So, Rebecca Wade, you are here to talk to us about sculptures. Excellent. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted to do. What's your best one? Oh. Told you you'd go in yeah, straight I know, away I knew with it. that. I knew question. that was really the first one. Can I give you several answers? Yeah. <sighs> that yeah. will be increasingly annoying. Yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> we might cut them. We don't. Wait, know. So, sorry. Wait, first of all, who are you? I am. Rebecca Wade. Doctor. No, doctor. <laughs> I am an art historian. I'm a curator. I'm a writer. All-round legend. Buffy fan. <laughs> um, go on then, so what's your best one? What's your best many ones? Okay, the annoying answer to this is the best sculpture is the one that you're doing the research on at that particular time. Because... Oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Because they have this interesting habit of the more you find out about a particular thing, reveals its layers, and suddenly you think, I'm absolutely in love with you. Like I'm obsessed. But what if you're not researching a sculpture? So if I'm not, I don't, I don't research sculptures, what, what would you say is the best one? If you were like, if I was like, show me one sculpture that's going to make me love sculpture, what would it be? Well, in the Leeds collection, the sculpture that I've probably had the longest history with is Antonio Canova's Hope Venus. Oh, yeah. It's one of the earliest sculptures in the collection. So. Naked lady. Pretty nude. Your man Thomas Hope, he's a aristocratic dilettante, amateur architect. What is that word? Dilettante? You know, he's... <laughs> no, we don't know. No, what's, a dilet- what's a dilettante? That's a good word. It's a great word. Hi, I'm Megan mm. Dilettante. <laughs> That's good. That's well, good. imagine you're an 18th century dude. Always. And you've got some really fancy clothes. You've yeah. got some really fancy friends. You've got a really fancy house. You're just kind of gadding about. You've got boatloads of money. Like, and what's his name, that writer? Which one? Byron. Yes. Yeah. Dilettante. You're into your literature, your poetry, your architecture. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I've literally, I've, I've flouted all the rules. You are terrible. Yes. Right, so basically, a cool guy. Got it all going on. Yeah. Right, so who, say it again. Who's this guy? Thomas Hope. Thomas Hope, yeah. 
Okay. Right. So while he's in Italy, he goes to the studio of Antonio Canova in Rome. And they're mates. It's what you do. You go and see what's going on in the studios of the sculptors because probably you want to furnish your fancy house in London and your country house in the middle of wherever. Neat. <laughs> Greatest city in the world. <laughs> Dirty Leeds. And he sees Canova carving the Venus Italica, which is based off of a very famous sculpture off of antiquity called the Medici Venus. And Thomas Hope really likes it. He wants it. And he says to Canova, I'm paraphrasing here, please may I have it. Thank you. Here's lots of money. And Canova is like, dude, this is actually for someone else. So sorry. It's eventually going to end up in the Met in New York. P.S. I can make you one for your house. And then somewhere along the line, the one Canova makes for Thomas Hope gets a little bit nuder, a little bit saucier, and eventually ends up in his London townhouse on a revolving pedestal so he can show off all the angles of this fancy lady to his friends. Often by candlelight, so you get to see all the shadows playing off the surfaces. It's carved in this really beautiful marble. And yeah, eventually all his belongings are sold off and your man, Edward Brotherton, off of Brotherton Library fame at University of Leeds. Off of Leeds. Off of, of Leeds. Leeds. <gasps> Great city in the world. Buys it for his house in Roundhay. And when he dies... Uh, his niece, Dorothy, Dorothy Una Ratcliffe, inherits all his painting and sculpture. And then eventually she bequeaths all her collection to Leeds Museums and Galleries. So it came actually into his collection pretty late on in the 1970s. So is the other one still at the Met? Yes. <gasps> I know. Would you ever want to display it in our gallery the way that Thomas Hope displayed it with candlelight and stuff? Do you think that's the way that they're meant to be? Would you ever like people to see it that way? That would be a very cool experiment. So in the basement at Leeds Art Gallery, we had the old pedestal that the sculpture used to be shown on. In the last maybe, I guess, 10 years, uh, where the trend has, to be, has been to take sculpture off the plinth so people can go literally eye to eye with the, the figure, you're much closer to it. So it would be really interesting to elevate it up again and have it on a rotating pedestal so people could really get to see it from all angles properly. A bit like the rotating floor that they had at Tiger Tiger, but not. We've all been on that, haven't we? <laughs> right. So if a sculpture is on the floor, yeah. what would happen if I knocked it over and then it smashed and then how upset would you be? She's quite <laughs> heavy though, isn't she? Well, is she? I don't mm. know what she made out of. Marble. She's solid. Yeah, made out of solid Carrara marble. There are weak points in the sculpture that we take into consideration whenever it's moved. How do you know that? Well, we work with conservators that tell us and do really detailed condition reports that tell us all about the flaws in the marble because it's a really imperfect piece of marble. It's got these almost bruise-like grey sections all over the body. It's really not as white as people think it is from a distance. Uh, it's bottom-heavy, like most of these sculptures, so it would be very unlikely to tip over unless you really had three or four burly guys with you to do it. And then it would do you much more damage than you could do to it. But in terms of um, conservation, the biggest problem for us is general accumulation of dust and dirt. And that happens through the atmosphere, but it also happens with wandering fingers because, of course, sculpture is probably the most tactile of the arts. People really want to get involved 
in those surfaces because they're so sticky attractive. Sticky hands. Sticky mitts. Your sticky mitts, Mez. I don't have sticky mitts. All over Venus. Clean. I've never touched her. Well, one place you can actually go and see sculpture by candlelight is the Sir John Stone Museum in London because Sir John Stone was a huge collector of sculpture and he would give people candlelit tours around his collection, making it a very almost sort of romantic experience. Hmm. You're not allowed phones in there, I don't think. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I think is probably good because it's like, obviously, that's how he wanted to people to experience what his collection. Mm. But also, I, I want to take pictures of stuff. Yeah. If you didn't Instagram it, did it really happen? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. Um, so talking about conservation, then, how do you clean How do you clean something? How do you clean Smez's grubby mitts off of I don't Venus? think you're cleaning my hands. I think you're cleaning... Oh, right, my handprints. Fair yeah. enough. Right, fair enough. You're so quick to judge, aren't you? We would call in a specialist sculpture conservator. Get Laura Davis on the blower. Oh, yeah. We actually cleaned Venus together a couple of years ago before it went on display, which was a massive privilege because you never really get that chance to be so up close and personal with a sculpture for that length of time and really explore every crevice and give it a little pedicure. So what we used were a combination of materials and substances there's a combination of liquids which is known as VNA mixture or Killquick, which is a very specific combination of um, deionized water, uh, white spirit, and a tiny bit of conservation grade detergent, which does something very magical and it's a very gentle way of lifting dust and dirt off a surface without really saturating it in too much liquid. Do you ever get stressed though when you're doing it? Are you like, oh my God, this is literally such an important piece of art and I could ruin it? It'd be really hard to do any real damage. And when you're next to a conservator, you know that they're going to let you know if something's going wrong. And usually they're the best person to put it right. So it's an amazing privilege. It's a brilliant feeling. But not. I, so I get more worried about handling sculpture if I need to take it from say one gallery to another by hand or um, lifting it from one shelf to another in the store that's when you really feel the weight of that responsibility I suppose marble's a really hard stone um, as opposed to something that's quite porous there's probably a lot more opportunity for contamination with something like that I should imagine especially in wood and because you recently did a display on woodworks and Mm. it was quite interesting to see some had been handled a lot more than others yeah for sure Um, and with marble especially when you've cleaned it you can also do quite a lot to protect it so you can also apply microcrystalline waxes and polish it to quite a hard surface that's easily removed to clean it again but it just gives you a protective layer between those mucky fingers and the surface of the sculpture but then with something like wood you might not necessarily want to apply a wax finish over the top because it could change the colour of the wood and with a substance like wood it's much more receptive to different environmental conditions so you're going to have to look much more closely at temperature and humidity and especially fluctuations between those two things to make sure it's not going to crack or warp so what's your what's your worst material for a sculpture to be made out of? If you if you're getting something in the collection, what are you like? Oh, flipping egg. We have to. Yeah, flipping egg. I would say plastic. Oh, because it's bad for the environment. Mm, well, it's connected to that because now that plastic is so much part of the narrative around the environment, we have this sense of it being almost impossible to destroy. It's just going to stay in the sea for thousands of years. It's going to stay in a landfill for thousands of years and it's going to break down in a really problematic way. But for us in museums, plastics 
are liable to deteriorate really quickly. So, for instance, a sculptor called Naum Garbo was working in the 1920s and 30s with some quite experimental plastics that were cellulose-based. And uh, lots of his sculptures are at the tape. And they could tell that they were deteriorating because of a particular smell. So if you go into a sculpture store and you smell fish and chips... Banging. I mean, your first thought is, brilliant, where are the fish and chips? Your second thought is, actually, that's acetic acid, which smells like vinegar. And that means that the plasticizer is leaching out of the material and it's almost going back into its constituent parts. So that plastic is going to go really brittle, it's going to go really yellow, and it's going to have this kind of oily surface and eventually it'll just look like it's melted. So what Tate did is they removed some of um, those plastics that were deteriorating and decided to replace them with a modern alternative so you could preserve the integrity of the sculpture but then you have to be really clear with your audiences what they're actually looking at. I was going to say because especially with artworks it's that's what it's about for a large part of it and it's the provenance of the artist and the time and the area and the influences and once you take that away and Joe Bloggs makes it with a better material because it lasts longer it's it changes and I find that really interesting, but I know a lot of people might say, well, then it isn't art anymore or it doesn't doesn't do the same job. And that's really interesting. I didn't know that, though. I didn't either. Plastics going backwards in time, like back to science. That's mad, isn't it? Science, yeah. how that works. Off of science. Um, I feel like I've literally got so many things and my brain's just like going like that. <laughs> so like from what you just said, Smez, there's a thing with art where people are like, well, I could do that. Right. Yeah. Sometimes if I see something, I'm like, well, what, what, why? But then, so why? <laughs> what is <laughs> what makes a good sculpture and what makes a bad sculpture? Like, how do you know what is worth putting in the collection? Is it the context around it, or how do you judge it? Because mm, art's question. such a subjective thing, isn't it? It's a really big question, and it's a question that we think about all the time. The response that people generally give to "I could have done that" is, "Well, you didn't." Mm the integrity of the sculpture lies with the idea rather than its materiality, which is why the question about authenticity is so interesting. And when we think back through history to even the Renaissance, you're thinking about a named artist and a group of craftspeople, artisans, who have a huge hand in the production of that object, but that are lost to history. So it's not new that sculpture or painting or any other kind of art object has um, contested authorship or multiple authorship or it's fabricated elsewhere. It's much more of a continuum with the way things have always been done. And it's anyway much more analogous to architecture where you might have a named architect, but you know that architect isn't actually on the building site with a trowel or like a film director. I think that's, yeah, I think perhaps my parents sorry mum and dad um but they they often say well i don't get it how does it make it art and certainly they'll look at renaissance and think well that's art but they can't give an answer why and i think that's half the beauty in it i think that's the thing it's not so much that i think why is it art it's more like i can't answer the i don't know i didn't know the answer to that question like mm. how to explain it yeah and i think that's the question that i have noticed getting asked a lot like when I've been on the art gallery accounts we've posted something particularly like modern modern sculpture and modern art like people find it harder to grasp I think mm -hmm. yeah I think Damien Hirst is a good example yeah. of that 
And museums and galleries have such a huge part to play in contextualising and interpreting these objects. And so often when an object enters a collection and is displayed in a particular way, we see a set of signals and codes that tell us this is art. It's gone through so much discussion by the time it ends up on the wall or on the floor of a museum or gallery that we're really confident in its status, but it's how we communicate that to our audiences is, is what's so important. As in the audience team, I mean... Off of audience development. Yeah, that is ticking all the boxes, Asking those questions that everyone wants to know, that's the thing, isn't it, Smith? It is. Yeah, it is. And these debates are old. That's what's mm. brilliant about them, in a way, is that people have been questioning the value and purpose and status of our objects for at least a century. If you think about Duchamp's urinal is obviously the classic example. Mm -hmm. The what urinal? Duchamp's urinal. The artist Marcel Duchamp, who very famously displayed a ready-made urinal in an art gallery setting, signed it Armut, dated it 1917, I think. And in a way, that's a false origin story for conceptual art and the ready-made, but it's one that we go back to again and again to explain the shift in thinking between an artist who works on their own. They're a genius. I love the way you said they're a genius then, just really offhand. Off <laughs> I love it if someone was like, Megan Jones, you know, they're a genius. Yeah, it's unlikely, isn't it? Yeah, it's not going to happen. But You never know. You know, well... I think what's interesting as well is why Yorkshire is so famous for sculpture. What What's the deal with, you know, Henry Moore and Barbara Hep Hepworth? What's she doing? What's he doing? I mean, nothing Were they now. best friends? <laughs> Great question. They were almost sweethearts. Can you believe? Almost, but not quite what happened. Can you imagine if they'd got together and had little sculpture babies? That would have been rad. What happened? Yeah, what happened there? So, your man Henry... Was it because Henry was like, Wakeful's too far. Can't be bored to go to Wakey. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shaky-wakey. Yeah. No. Go on. He was a little bit older. So by the, by the time he gets to Leeds College of Art, he's already been gassed in the First World War. What? Yeah. What? I no, know. He was gassed. Dude. He was gassed. He was injured. Yeah. Was he a soldier? Mm. Yeah. No, he was just there. <laughs> Sorry, did they not have gas masks in England? Uh, yes, but he it kind of implied that he was a soldier. Yeah, so he'd seen active service in the First World War. Right. And the reason he could go to art school was through a grant via his active service um so he was his art school training was paid for because he had enlisted in the army ah oh. so he's a little bit older than babs so wait sorry what happened with him being gassed was he all right well i mean not <laughs> well, that, at the time not that sad but like did it did it affect him in later life How, what happened to i don't think so well he lived to a ripe old age right how um, old I bet you know this. He lived until the 1980s, 86, I believe. Rebecca Wade's got this died. habit of being like, oh, I don't know. Oh, oh. And then she'll like be really precise and it'll be exactly oh. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1898 to 1986. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I literally knew it. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Wowzers. Um, go on. So he was older than Babs. Yes. Can we ask all our Babs? Like we already have. I've got another Babs to talk about as well, by the way. Okay. Oh, sorry, this isn't getting distracted. <laughs> Basically, have you ever seen the film Funny Girl? No. Right. Streisand. See, yeah. So I went to see it at the High Park Picture House. Great cinema. Well done. Um, On Saturday. Absolutely unbelievable. Never seen it before. Babs Streisand. Did it change your life? It's got all the songs in it that I didn't... I didn't know that they were from that film, but it's a really good <laughs> film. Beautiful. Anyway, sorry. Babs. Babs Hetworth. Yep. So Babs rolls up at Leeds College of Art a year later and... 
they it's have this that much of an age difference then. No, yeah, no, but he's in his twenties by then. She's in her late teens. That's all right. It's only like ten years, isn't it? She was born in 1903 and he was 1898. Yeah, it's four years between them. Four years? But when you're young... Four years. Come on. Go on. Yeah. So Henry, he wants to revive the sculptured course that had been paused during the First World War at Leeds College of Art. Was it paused because of the war? Yes. Right. Because obviously so many of the tutors and students were enlisted to fight. And the way Henry Moore likes to tell it is that the sculptures course was started just for him and he was the only student and the tutor only cared about him. So he's a modest mouth, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Henry. How does he tell it, by the way? Has he written it down? Has he got yeah. letters and stuff, right? absolutely. And he gives lots and lots of interviews throughout his life. He has very tight control over the narrative of his life. Do you reckon he would have come on this podcast if he, if he was alive? I don't know. I get the feeling he's a bit, bit grumpy, especially yeah. in later life. Right. You'd have probably had to go to him. Probably bothered. Literally just over the over the road, isn't it? Henry Moore Institute. Well, no, he was at Hertfordshire in Perry Green at his studio. All oh, right, that's all right, Hertfordshire. No, I'm not going there. It's literally not that far. It's on the train. It's not Yorkshire, though, is it? Right, not Yorkshire. Great state in the world. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm not leaving Yorkshire. Yorkshire is in my heart. <laughs> Go on. He by actual gum. So sorry. Henry yeah. completes all his sculptural training double quick time. How? Because he's so good. Well, he just wants to get it done. He's the only kid in the class. And he wins a scholarship to go to the Royal College of Art in that London. And then Babs joins him a year later. And they have a little group of people from Yorkshire who get together and form a tight little group. And they... Who is it? Are there any other people? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, there are like the other fa- guys. Like, Can I it, remember them? No. Is it like the Fab Five? <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. Yeah. But they have lots of adventures together yeah. and it's delightful. And uh, yeah. So they fancy each other when they're in this group? Well, there are letters that suggest they were almost sweethearts and they were definitely very close and they were pursuing a really similar kind of attitude to Bounce sculpture. That was a good looking woman, right? I mean, there's a lot of forehead. Little... Is there? Yeah. Get her up. Go on. Let's have a look. <laughs> She's got like, I swear she wears like like a scarf in her hair and like just looks really cool and beautiful. I mean, she is a force of nature. You would not want to cross that woman. Why? Can you imagine the guns? Because of all the sculptures that she's yeah. making. Yeah. And she made, do you know what? Beautiful stuff. Absolutely. Went to the Hepworth Gallery. Mm. Which I've now just realised is named after Barbara. <laughs> oh my God, No. Right, I'm going to cut that out. It's actually called the Hepworth Wakefield. Hepworth Wakefield, right, sorry. (laughs) Went to the Hepworth Wakefield and all those ones that's like, she's got like strings in it. Meg is making a gang sign with her hands. I think gang sign, gang strings. Um, Yeah, no, she's less... (laughs) I think I had something different in my head. Do you know what I had in my head, actually? Have you ever seen The Princess Diaries? (laughs) With Anne Hathaway? Yeah, I had her mum in my head as Barbara. (laughs) The Queen? The Queen of Denmark? Her mum's not... Oh, no, that's, that's not her mum, it's sorry. A, first of all, not her mum, that's her grandma, and also it's the Queen of Genovia. Oh, yeah, the made-up place. Which I thought was a real place. Still know all the lyrics to that national anthem. <laughs> so, right, Babs, what was she Helen. like? Helen. Yeah, a little bit. She looks like Helen. Helen. God, 2001. This is taking a real turn. It was literally right there, you just clicked it. Where? There, look. No. Her. No. Great radio, guys. Just congrats. This is your time that we're wasting. How do you feel? <laughs> Look, Caroline Goodall. Oh, yeah. Have you seen her? No. 
Why would I? It's awful. Have you not seen Princess Diaries? No. You watch Buffy. Oof. That is not the same. You cannot align those two things and call them the same. Anyway, let's talk about Buffy. (laughs) Sculpture aside, who's your best one out of Buffy? Oh, that's a tricky, tricky question. Also, we did a quiz Mm. of which Buffy character are you. Oh, yeah. I got Giles. Oh, I can't remember who I was. I think I might have been Spike. Giles, the intelligent, beautiful... I did tailor it so I would become Spike. Yeah, I really Because I could tell. At the minute, he's wearing some... Tight black T-shirts. Tight black T-shirts. He's rolled up to show a lot of arm. (laughs) Go on. As someone who's wearing a tweed jacket, I feel, you know, very strongly towards Giles. Yeah, you've got Giles. probably a Willow. Oh, yeah, Willow's good. It's a strong Dungarian hat game. Yeah. Anyway... Um, if you could make a sculpture out of anyone from Buffy, who would it be, though? Would it still be Willow? <laughs> would it be like a demon? Oof. I don't know, maybe that guy from... Don't ruin it. The first season? Yeah. With the little tiny teeth? What? There's a podcast Buffy. called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And the main guy who's bad in the first season, is he called the Master? Oh, the Master. Yeah. Uh, they, call, yeah. they call him Fruit Punch Mouth. Sorry, the guy with the tiny teeth. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of other features to him. The first evil. The Fruit Punch Mouth. Fruit Punch Mouth. Cute. Let's have a look at him. Oh, yeah, look at his tiny teeth. They're not, they're regular size, actually. God, it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> cool. God, so Babs and... Back to Babs and Henry, then. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, what's your best Henry Moore... Oh, probably a really early one. So the interesting thing about Babs and Henry is Henry Moore moves into mass production, essentially. He has a big studio set up. He's making larger and larger sculptures, moving from wood and stone into bronze. Is he like the ASOS of sculpture? He's the Amazon of sculpture. Wow, that's even worse. Mm. Whereas, broadly speaking, although some of that is still true for Babs, she's also carving in wood and stone and plaster much later. She's also making monumental bronze, but not to the scale of production. See, the thing that people say about Barbara Hepworth is in the same way that Ginger Rogers had to do everything Fred Astaire did backwards and in heels, Barbara Hepworth had to deal with two marriages, a son from the first one, triplets from the second one to Ben Nicholson, bit of a badden. So she's got four kids, four little tiny toddler kids, Tiddlers. And Tiddle tiddles. <laughs> are they still alive? Uh, some of them are, yeah. I mean, her son Paul died, I think, in the 1950s, quite tragically, and really changed her life quite dramatically, as you'd imagine. I think he was in an air accident. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, she, in a way, has to deal with all the problems of being an international artist and being a woman. God, isn't being a woman just a right... Ball Isn't it? Oh, yeah. God. Um, so, Babs and Henry. Yeah. Are they... So, we I, we know a lot about them. They're very prominent in Leeds and Yorkshire. But on, like, an international stage, are they are they as prominent? Like, are they, like, internationally good and renowned sculptures, sculptors? Yeah, absolutely. I think at any one time, somewhere in the world, there is a Henry Moore exhibition. He's in collections all over the world, as is Barbara Hepworth. And they're synonymous with modern British sculpture. In a way, that's also an effect of the time in which they were rising to prominence, especially that post-war British um, confidence of the new Elizabethans. You think about the Festival of Britain in 1951 and <coughs> let's move Britain forward and become a post-colonial international... Is that um, also known as the Boomers age? Okay, okay Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Are we at that time? Yeah, I think so. So we ask each guest a couple of questions at the end. We've not so far had the same answers. We're personally writing them yeah. out of 10. We're ranking who's done the best one. Ooh, so yeah. better, pressure. Yeah. better give us some good content. The first one we ask is, what's been your favourite day at work? Oh. Try to think. I don't know what mine is. I think it's nice to know because that's a really that's like an awful interview answer, isn't it? When you're like, do you know what? They all have their ups and downs, <laughs> and the days that I enjoy most are the days that I'm with you, me, Meg. No, sometimes I'm going to clip that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! It's on record. That's sick. I think my favourite days in my previous role were during the reopening of Leeds Art Gallery. So it was closed for nearly two years for roof refurbishment between 2015 and 17. And we got to see all the transformation of the building from the inside out. Was it off of that time that we did that Facebook Live? Yeah. Oh my God, so I am am it. I am Rebecca Wade's best one. Yeah, there we are. Mm. It's very good. I was, and you know, I was walking around in filthy dungarees for a good couple of weeks cleaning sculptures and everyone pulls together in those last days of a massive project and it's just a really exciting thing to be involved in that is exciting that is exciting i came to the opening did you mm. did you were you, were you there yeah i, I was there yeah and we didn't know each other <gasps> oh. crazy oh my god it's like the start of a film it's like when bridget jones meets colin firth and she doesn't know that they're gonna get married what was your meet cute what does that mean you don't know what what does meet cute mean for someone who watches so many rom-coms, <laughs> a meet-cute is where the two titular characters meet for the first time, and it's cute. Oh, my God. I don't know that we have one. What did we do? I can't remember. I remember the first time I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is this, are we getting a bit emotional? Like a dream. Know. It was like it's a dream. It's nearly like Christmas. We're getting all emotional. Um, yeah, you just walked into the Discovery Centre, and I was like, oh, that girl's wearing a nice necklace. And you're wearing a green dress. Probably, definitely, almost accurate. Yeah. Glowing aura. Glowing aura, yeah. Angel song. (laughs) (laughs) I remember what I was wearing when I first met you, actually, because I thought about it for a really long time. Did you? Yeah. I told Yvonne, me and Yvonne, like, planned it. Oh, that's so adorable. (laughs) I wore my white jeans with my white jeans. I was going to say white. White I think I remember white. With a white Rolling Stones t-shirt, because I wanted you to think that I was, you know, like, cool. Yeah. And then... I think I want my Doc Martens. It's yeah. a classic Meg outfit. I was like, that, I want it? you to think white on white. This girl is wild. Full on yeah. stick of butter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Anyway, this is all about you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right, our next question. 10 seconds. Oosh. Based on everything you just said, mm. what is the main thing that you want our listeners to take away? So, what's your main takeaway from this? And immediately following that, what is your favourite takeaway? Oh, actual takeaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like two different meanings of takeaway. Ha, Isn't ha, it? Ha. Aren't we clever? We're ha, good at words. Ha. We thought about that for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, we did. What I would like listeners to take away is that sculpture is relevant to everyone's lives. Everyone has experience of making sculpture and of objects being in their environment. So everyone immediately understands on an instinctive level, on an emotional level, on an intellectual level, what sculpture is. And that it's not something that you need pre-existing training to understand or appreciate or engage with. And that you can bring to it what your life experience is. And it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I love that. 
cute. That's great because sometimes, you know, when like you can't be bothered a bit and you go in around the gallery because you're just like, just should because I've been to the And it's raining while, outside. So, and, like, and it's I need free a in here. Yeah. yeah. And then you go around and some days I just like to play the ratings game where I'm like, yeah, four out of five. No, two out of five. And that's all it needs to be. But I still had a great time. I still yeah. got something from Doesn't it. Matter. I felt good about it and i think that's quite interesting that it can still make you feel good even if you don't understand it or you don't think you understand it and sometimes the artists themselves are absolute worst people to ask about their intention for a work of art um, because there isn't a linear straightforward relationship between an object and its meaning that's a good learn there you go um now what's your favorite takeaway mate do you even eat takeaways? You probably no. don't. Oh, yeah, do your they do, body's like, a temple. Do they do chai seed takeaways with, like, lentils? <gasps> no, it's probably, like, Japanese. So what is it? Mm. How often do you get a takeaway? Well, They're never. Not. Yeah. Too busy swimming and doing exercise and stuff. Eat chai seeds. It's true. I'm thinking about Henry Moore. Well, again, it's a two-part answer. I would say it's got to be classic fish and chips. Mm. You know what? That was going to be my gut. We've had fish and chips together. Chippy tea. Going on about. We had it on blue Mondays. I don't play Monday. You're jealous. No. But also there yes. used to be a nice Thai place that doesn't exist anymore near where I live. And they used to do an amazing beef and ginger and jasmine rice situation, which mm. I was hungry. very sad to lose. What have you got for lunch? You mean you're not taking me for lunch? We totally can. Yeah, we totally can, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got Pit of bread upstairs. Oh no! And I had to. Pr- I toasted it this morning. I don't know why I toasted it. Why did oh, I do that? God. Thinking about it. Yeah, we could go for lunch actually. Yeah. Let's take her out. We could get a meze. Oh yeah, they're good. A, a smeze. A smeze. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> why did we not Let's think of that a, before? Uh, we've literally talked about mezes loads. Smezes. Yes. Let's get a smeze. Right. Brilliant. Well, let's just cut this short right now. I need to get my meze on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming on, Rebecca Wade. Thanks, my dudes. Right, let's do this quickly because I want my smeze. <laughs> <laughs> How exciting. What are you going to get? Are you going to um, get a veggie one? Yeah, because it's really good. <sighs> I feel like we need to do a really good conclusion, but also all I can think about is halloumi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that marinated feta. God. That was good, wasn't it? What was your best learn? My best learn was 100% about plastic and science. I love learning science things because I'm so bad at it, but learning how the sculptors used materials that were a bit rubbish and we've come along and gone no this ain't gonna work we need to do it better yeah i like that you like being better than everyone don't you i like things that melt so right cheese plastic have you done it no baby bell everyone listen up make sure it's outside the plastic surely yeah no no, 100 if you take one thing away from anything that we've ever done baby bell take it out of its wrapper out of the wax yeah put it on a plate in the microwave 10 seconds Ooh. 10 seconds. So you need. You're welcome. My best learn. Yeah. What was your <laughs> best learn, Meg? Did, yeah. Um, my best learn was about Babs and Henry. Mm. I thought that was really interesting. Didn't know that Henry Moore had been gassed. No, no. Although it makes sense, what with him being in the war. Yeah. A bit. Bloody war. I know. Bad. Yeah, really bad. So yeah, that was our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, so big thank you to Tim Bentley, who did our theme tune for us. And a huge thank you to Alex Finney, who designed our cover artwork yes very good excellent work excellent. as always 10 out of 10 do love yeah please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review we'll love you forever but only if it's nice yeah we don't, we don't need nice. like sad ones no, there's mean. enough heartache just in only the world. tell us nice things yeah um and all our transcripts are available on our website yes if you want those where should people follow us? 
Oh, they can follow us on socials. Go on, what's your address? My handle. Address? My handle is. Go <laughs> on, tell everyone your home address. <laughs> my home address is Leeds. Um, my handle is at Sarah L. Merritt. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my God, I did it right. Well done that you remembered your own handle. Well, to be fair, I don't ever tag me in it. I just go from it. I just log on and there I am. You created it. What are you? I'm at Museum Meg. Yep. That's a good one, isn't it? To be fair, I was quite proud of that handle. Yeah, that was very good. Yeah. Good. Rolls off the tongue. Um, Also, you can tweet us at Leeds Museums. Yes. Um, We'll answer you on there. That's the main gig. Any questions you want and we'll answer them, probably. Yep. Um... So yeah, who have we got next time? God, I don't know. Let's ask Carl. Okay. <laughs> Carl, great guy. Tell us who you think he sounds like. Yeah, let's not say anything. No if spoilers. Because some, sometimes when he's talking to us, we close our eyes and we just imagine that it's this person. Yeah. That's boring chat because you don't know who we're talking about, but tune in. Yeah. And you'll see what we mean. Right, have a good cracking week. Have a lovely time, guys. See you later. Bye. <laughs>